the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Media. Good morning, you're listening to Wake Up. On this beautiful Tuesday morning, you are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Damian Collado and David Dawson. Hey guys, good morning. Happy good morning. Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Yeah, top of the morning to you. As we were discussing before the show started, it's the Feast of Cosmos and Damien. That's right. And that's what you're named after. I oh. am. Not Cosmos. Not your, Although no, Although I may God. call you that occasionally, but uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but Damien is still yeah. a very cool name. <laughs> My dad, uh, he, you know, back in the day when they would read the Litany of the Saints yeah. during Mass, it always caught my dad's attention, and he said, if I have a boy, I'm going to name him Damien. So, wow. At least that's the story that's he tells me. Now, I mean. <laughs> a, a little later, we're going to be talking about, uh, it's also the Feast of St. Paul the Sixth, Right. So we'll be, we'll be talking about him a little later, too. But, In uh, fact, we'll offer up a prayer that he, do he himself wrote. You In the name it. of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Make us worthy, Lord, to serve our brothers and sisters throughout the world who live and die in poverty and hunger. Give them through our hands this day their daily bread, and by our understanding, love, give peace and joy. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Amen. Holy Spirit. Amen. So, St. Paul the Sixth, pray for us, as well as Cosmos and Damien and all the saints. There you go. Definitely. Well, we have some wonderful events in our listening area. We will give you details about at 10 after. You can find all of these events and more at ccmedia.live. That's our website. In 18 minutes, Jerry Grafton joins us. She's a founder of Genesis of Eve. And today she's talking about her conversion story in our monthly segment of Conversion Corner. So looking forward to speaking to Jerry and learning a little bit more about her uh, draw to Catholicism. In 35 minutes, Father Brett Mayer will join Damien and David in the Baton Rouge studio. Father Brent is the pastor at St. Agnes in Baton Rouge, and he's talking about the upcoming 40-hour Eucharistic devotion. So looking forward to this. And in 48 minutes, Mary Beth Bracey joins us. She's a media spokesperson for Sophia Institute Press, and she's talking about a new book called I Would Like to Travel the World, Therese of Lisieux, Miracle Worker, Doctor, and Missionary. So... Looking forward to some wonderful guests today. And Damien, looking forward to your weather report. What do you have for us? Well, did you like yesterday? I did. It was oh, pleasant. yeah, it was very nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're yeah. going to get it again today. A little Sunny, rain would be partly great. cloudy. But uh, uh, you got a 25% okay, chance. I'll take it. Okay. So there's a little, little rain that Dave is hoping he gets in, in his neighborhood, and I'm sure a lot of others as well, because I'm getting tired of watering the lawns, even though oh, they're man. Gonna... I got tumbleweeds, mm-hmm. I got cactus growing in my front, you know. <laughs> tumbleweeds. It, it, you know, the dead cow skull, you know what I mean? My the, the, yeah, goodness. Yeah. And the neighbors must be happy bad. about It's that. just that bad, yeah. Well, 
<laughs> well, hopefully Dave really will get some rain. We'll even pray that he gets some rain. And uh, winds are going to be out of the northeast, which is making it a little pleasant, as Dave mentioned. Five to ten miles an hour gives you a little bit of a breeze. And out of the north, it's it's a lot drier than out of the south. High is going to be 90, low 71 tomorrow. Basically no change. Uh, other than the fact that it's only going to be a 10% chance of a shower popping up. In fact, that's going to be the forecast all the way through Sunday, mm. with the highs basically around 90 to low around 70. Even as we get closer to the end of the week, it'll be in the, the lows will be in the upper 60s. Oh, nice. So fall is definitely upon us. Get the gumbo. Once they get through the doorway here. Mm-hmm. Temperatures in and around the area on the North Shore, it's 73. In Gulfport, it's also 73. 78 in New Orleans and 74 degrees in Homa Thibodeau and Baton Rouge. It's five after the hour on this Tuesday morning on Wake Up. Today's gospel comes to us from Luke chapter 8. The mother of Jesus and his brothers came to him but were unable to join him because of the crowd. He was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they wish to see you. He said to them in reply, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and act on it. We've heard the gospel and now we reflect. To understand today's gospel, it is useful to consider the importance that family and tribe played in the culture of the ancient Middle East. Indeed, we have many examples of the importance placed on family and tribe in the current Middle East. Jesus, of course, is not revoking the fourth commandment, honor your father and your mother. Rather, he is keeping everything in its proper order by stressing the first commandment that places the love of God above all things, yes, even family. So while it is a distinct honor to be biologically related to Jesus, it is vastly more important to be related to him spiritually. And this unique bonding occurs through obedience, which is nothing more than love in action. And therefore Jesus said, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and act on it. In his first letter, the Apostle John explicitly makes the connection between obedience and love. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. Then he adds a statement, that is rather startling, and his commandments are not burdensome. Really? Which of us have not found keeping the commandments easy or hard? Can't most of us identify with St. Paul who wrote to the Romans, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Then Paul answers his own question. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Writing to the Corinthians, the saint explained, For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Relying on Jesus was the source of Paul's strength, as he wrote to the Philippians, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. Jesus is also willing to give us his strength. But do we really want it? Do we ask for it? Have a wonderful day. This is Jimmy Sagers. Thank you, Jimmy. 
And thank you, Father Chris Decker. It is 10 after the hour. Happy Tuesday morning, everyone. Some events we want to share with you coming up on October 8th, there's going to be a healing mass, actually two of them, at Blessed Francis Silos in his honor. One o'clock will be the English mass, and three o'clock will be the Vietnamese mass. It's at Assumption Church in New Orleans. In fact, they're going to have uh, a cross touched to Father Silos's uh, uh relics and it'll be available for you at the blessing of the mass so invite your family and friends to attend this special event october 8th at assumption catholic church yes indeed dr terry ellis will be speaking at saint george catholic church in baton rouge in the climb peter activity center that's on september 28th at 6 30 p.m just a few days the talk will focus on grace and addiction offering hope to those afflicted by this present darkness and the event is sponsored by chrysalis interventions new ministry dr ellis has been a guest he's been in our studio too and he has a delightful conversion story so uh uh, the man's amazing. I highly recommend this. He is—he's—he's uh, he's a gift. So, that's uh, day after tomorrow at six thirty p.m. More information: ccmedia.live. That's right. Well, are you hurting from an abortion or a miscarriage? If you or someone you love is hurting from an abortion or miscarriage, you can join the men and women at Rachel's Vineyard Retreat November 3rd through the 5th. There is forgiveness, hope, and peace after an abortion. All faiths are welcome, and it's open to women and men. Financial assistance is available to register, and to find out more information, you can go to ccmedia.live. All right. Well, we all know Halloween is a little more than a month away, but not at the Nativity of Blessed Virgin Mary Catholic School in Biloxi because they are having their Halloween carnival coming up. As a matter of fact, it's their 65th annual Halloween carnival. Wow. Uh, A lot of candy corn. It's going to be October 14th. (laughs) They're getting an early jump on the season. There will be a choir concert at 1130, mass at noon. And after that, the booths are going to open up for everyone from 1 to 8. Again, that's going to be at Nativity of Blessed Virgin Mary Catholic Elementary School. And that's on Beach Boulevard in Biloxi. Sounds fun. Oh. Speaking of yes. fun, Family Fun Day, October 2nd. That's at St. John the Evangelist in Prairieville. And uh, let's see, it's going. It's, it's Family Fun Day uh, with special, uh, for, for families with special and exceptional needs. There'll be food, crafts, games, inflatables, Damien, pumpkin patches, and more. ccmedia.live. <laughs> Yeah. Every time, every time there is a fun day or something with inflatables, you're like inflatables, Damien. Yeah, like that's Damien's like, jam. Like, like he that, loves yeah. a bouncy house and <laughs> the slide. You know, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just great. I get, to, yeah, I get in there with all the little kids who just jump the heck around. Out of them, and they yeah, they yeah. ask him to leave, but he won't go. Yeah. So that's no, Damien's the person that does the flop, and all the kids go flying. Yeah. That's no. what that he's the that person. That's right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the fun continues next week during our fall pledge drive. It's October 3rd through the 5th. That's a Tuesday through a Thursday from 7 to 10 a.m. We will bring you live guests to help us raise funds to keep us on the air because we are 100% donor funded. So we rely on your donations to keep us on the air, to keep us broadcasting for you and to continue to keep broadcasting true Catholic content uh, through the media. 
So next week, we're starting off with Father Todd Lloyd. He'll be joining us at the 7 o'clock hour, along with Deacon Ricky Supreme from St. John of the Cross in Lacombe. Mark Shafisi joins Kathleen Higgins for the 8 o'clock hour with Father Bryce Sibley. And at the 9 o'clock hour, we have Deacon Dan Bornet and Michael Acaldo from St. Vincent de Paul. Oh, boy. I think I have some time to talk about Wednesday and Thursday's guests. Sure. So on Wednesday at the 7 o'clock hour, we bring you Johnny Abair, Scott Smith, and Steve Ray. For the 8 o'clock hour, we bring you the Louisiana Knights of Columbus and Monsignor Christopher Nolte. And for the 9 o'clock hour, Allison Daigle and Father Robert Cavalier will be joining us. And on Thursday, we have Father Tat and Sister Dulce, along with Lisa Flood, joining them. For the 8 o'clock hour, Father Matthew Graham, Deacon Larry Oney. And for the 9 o'clock hour, Father Jamin David and Father Matthew Dunn. So that that is is your lineup. lineup. Yes. That's quite the lineup. We just need inflatables. No. Yes. Might get them before it's over with. (laughs) All right, well, our new segment, Conversion Corner, is coming up just after the break here on Wake Up. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for September 26th. Today we celebrate Pope St. Paul VI. Giovanni Battista Montini was the second of three sons born into an upper-middle-class Italian family in 1897. After ordination, Father Montini pursued graduate studies in Rome before working in the Vatican Secretariat of State for 30 years. In 1954, Montini became Archbishop of Milan. Calling himself the Archbishop of the Workers, he regularly visited factories and sought to win the disaffected back to the Catholic Church. Named a cardinal four years later, Montini helped with the preparations for Vatican II and participated enthusiastically in its first sessions. Following his predecessor's death in 1963, the newly elected Pope Paul VI decided immediately to continue the council, which held three more sessions before concluding in 1965. In 1964, Pope Paul met in Jerusalem with the Patriarch of Constantinople. He made eight more international trips, including one to the United States in 1965. His final encyclical of human life is probably most widely remembered. Paul VI died in 1978 and was canonized in 2018. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. It is 19 past the hour. You are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith along with Damian Clotto and David Dawson. Our first guest today is Jerry Grafton. Jerry is the founder of Genesis of Eve. And today she joins us as our guest for our monthly new segment called Conversion Corner. Good morning, Jerry. Thanks for being with us. Good morning, Gabby. Thanks for having me. Well, we had you join us back, I would say, a few weeks ago to talk about the women's conference, Be Not Afraid, from Genesis of Eve in downtown Alexandria. How did that go for you guys? It was amazing. I mean, the Lord filled that house, and we have just seen so many fruits from the conference. It was absolutely beautiful. 
Great. That's wonderful to hear. Well, we are so happy that you are joining us once again, but this time talking about something a little bit personal. We love hearing about conversion stories because you never know who's listening and who it might inspire. So if you don't mind taking us through the beginning, what attracted you to our Catholic faith? What was it that made you Catholic? Well, to to start from the very beginning, I grew up... um, (laughs) Pentecostal, actually, and um, so very deep in my faith, went through some trials, and I went through about a 10-year period of really just seeking the Lord and trying to find where He was guiding me to in my faith. My sister-in-law was Catholic, and she kept inviting me to an Acts retreat. I don't know if y'all have those around there, but we our Mm -hmm. our Acts community is really big in Sinlaw, and she invited me. I applied three different times before I actually was um, accepted to go on the retreat. And it was such a gift to me because I actually left on a Thursday, which was on my birthday, and had no idea what anything about anything about Catholic. I'd never been to Mass. I, I didn't know a thing. But I walked into this retreat, and I felt God's presence and His love in the most real, deep, authentic way ever in this room full of 40 strangers (laughs) to me. Um, And the weekend was just incredible. Now, mind you, I didn't have a clue what Stations of the Cross or the Divine Mercy or any of that was. But the funny thing is they gave us this little book about, um, I didn't know what it was. It was called 33 Days to Consecration, uh, Morning Glory. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I, Mm -hmm. I went home loving to pray the rosary, pray the rosary every day, and started doing this consecration to Mary, not knowing at all what I'm doing, at all. Okay, I'm just following and reading and just trusting the Lord. Well, Mama Mary took me serious because (laughs) um, I made my consecration, I made my promise, again, not knowing, you know, what I was promising to, but I just knew this was the right next step. And um, it just unfolded from there. I got asked to team the next retreat, even though I was not Catholic, which even introduced me further to all of the beautiful ways of our faith and practices and the beautiful community. And, you know, for the first time in my life, I felt like I was accepted in the club without really being in the club. <laughs> so uh, that's that, amazing. That's kind of what, yes, ma'am. That is what started my faith. I started meeting with a priest and, um, I went to him and I said, now look, I'm not really interested in being Catholic. I just want to learn more about the faith. Um, And I told him about my background, and he started laughing. He said, well, I'm a Baptist convert, so you and I are going to get along just fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Gosh. Jerry, Jerry, this this is David. Let me ask you something. Was there anything that you had um, reservations about about the Catholic Church? Was there anything that that was a turnoff and why, why you were hesitant to join? You know, actually there was, and and that came up in the first conversation I had with the priest. Mm -hmm. I walked in there a little cocky because I said, (laughs) you know, um, I learned about the faith because my biggest hang-up is I believe in full immersion, baptism, and baptism in Jesus' name, because that was a very big sticking point with with my faith, was that we had to be baptized in the name of Jesus, not the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Oh, okay. But before... Yeah, so before I went to meet with him, though, the interesting thing is I prayed, and I said, Lord, just open my heart and show me your way. Show me what you want from me. And it was like the Holy Spirit said, 
okay, if that's your problem or if that's the issue, you've already been baptized in Jesus' name, and they can't unbaptize you. That's so, right. I mean, like, oh. there was just nothing to, like, even argue about, you wow. know, going into it. So um, the Lord just, like, kind of pushed that aside. It didn't even make it, like, an issue, even though, yes, at first it was for me, because that was so indoctrinated in us growing up, you mm-hmm. know, that that mm-hmm. was such a, a dividing line there. Right, right. Um, so yeah, that's that so that interesting. Was my... so, so Jerry, you met with a priest, you asked him the questions, and you continue forward. So kind of take us through the next steps. What happened after that? Did you jump right into RCIA? I did not. Well, so the priest agreed to just meet with me privately and do our own private RCIA. Right. And um, so he, of course, gave me. I, I'd been married before, and my husband had been married before. And, of course, he gave me the annulment papers right off the bat and explained all of those, you know, issues. I tossed them to the side. I didn't think another thing about it. I, um, but we kept meeting, and about three or four months into it, I started feeling the Holy Spirit tell me, just send the papers in. Don't, don't worry about, you know, what or just push. Like, just see if the next door opens up for you. So y'all aren't going to believe this. But I filled out <laughs> the annulment papers for my husband and myself. I sent them in, which that's a little bit longer story on, on all the things I had to do to, to get prepared for that with divorce papers, marriage certificates, all that stuff. And that was a miracle in itself. Mm-hmm. I okay. sent them in. I did not tell my priest that I sent the annulment papers in. I didn't know this was a big deal. <laughs> I got the annulment in three weeks on both of us. Wow. Now, it was special circumstances, but I had the paper in my hand. So when I walked in to meet with Father Charlie, is his name, I, I handed him my annulment papers. He started stuttering. He was like, wait a minute, what? Did you pay off a priest? I mean, like, what is going on here? No, we don't do that. And I was like... Father Charlie was just joking. Yeah, I I was just like, I didn't know it was like, what's... So, I mean, he could not believe it. He was like this... And then he looked at the calendar, and he looked at me, and he looked at the calendar, and he's like, uh... Do do you want to become Catholic? Because, like, literally, it was the day before I was... I was to go before the church the next day for my first scrutiny. Like this, the timing of wow. it was like exactly laid out. Like my goodness. So, so I asked him. I said, "Okay, well, can me and my husband have our marriage blessed on our fifteenth wedding anniversary, which was coming up right before Easter?" So he looks at it. He looks some stuff up. He said, "Yes, because you'll be a catechumen. I can actually bless your marriage before because this was going to be my my anniversary is on a Thursday, wow. and I would be coming into the church on on Saturday that Easter." Mm, goodness. <laughs> and so, like, so my husband and I had our marriage blessed on our fifteenth anniversary, and I came into the church uh, that Easter. I mean, it was like I couldn't tell the Lord no. He <laughs> was like just laying it all out before me, right. like this is it. And Mama, like I said, Mama Mary was doing her job too. She was like, "Uh huh, girl, you told me." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were mine, so. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry, this is Damien. I uh, love your story. How? Who was the individual who got you to go to the Axe Retreat, and where are you at now in that relationship? Yes. Okay, so that is my sister-in-law. Her name is Colette Glankler, and she is actually one of the other, there's five of us that are founders of the Genesis of Eve, but she and I were the ones, we went to a uh, ladies' conference in Lafayette, abide and we're so on fire for god and this was back in 2019 um this is after my conversion and we are the two that kind of like the lord just really spoke it into our hearts to start the genesis of eve ministry 
and uh, we formed the board and uh, we just had our first conference May of 22 because of COVID. And then this year we had it uh, September uh, for our second annual conference. But she and I are super close. We're uh, we're actually about to put on a silent retreat here. We just have our hands in all kinds of stuff. We're teaming on Axe Retreat right now together. We're super, super close wow. still. Man, you are a true example of, yeah. of light for the church. Yeah. You know, you, yes. you, you're doing what uh, we as Catholics are, are asked to do on a daily basis, and you're just on fire, and it's beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. Thank mm-hmm. you. Well, you know, I really, I'm grateful for the whole journey because I had such a biblical foundation going into, uh, in, into my conversion that it just, it made sense. Like there was nothing, there was nothing to really question because I knew, I knew the Old Testament, I knew the Gospels, you know. And so, whenever I was learning about deeper and deeper about the Catholic faith, it just all the puzzle pieces just came together so beautifully. Right. Amazing. So when did you become Catholic? How long ago? I became Catholic in March of 2018. Oh, that was... She's brand new. Yeah, five years. Yeah. It's amazing, Jerry, what you have accomplished and what you have done. Talking to you a few weeks ago, I would have never known... Um, just absolutely incredible. Uh, you know, unfortunately, we are out of time, but I want to put a plug in for Genesis of Eve. Where can people go to find out more information about the wonderful conferences that you guys put together? Yes, please go to genesisofeve.org. Everything is on our website. We have the most incredible marketing team. We have, we're on Facebook as well, Genesis of Eve. Our conference will be September 6th, 7th, and 8th of, of 2024 next year. We already have those dates reserved, and we're lining up all of our speakers for it. It is going to be an incredible event that you do not want to miss. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Jerry Grafton, founder of Genesis of Eve. Thank you so much for telling us your story. Thank you, Gabby. Love those. Yeah. If you I have a those. wonderful yeah. conversion story, yeah. yeah, message us on Facebook because we love listening to them. Yeah. We love hearing them Become as well. a regular uh, so. segment on our show. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yes. All right. Father Brent Mayer will be in the studio with Damien and David when we return from the break. It is half past the hour on Wake Up. past the hour you are tuning your heart to the truth i'm david dawson along with damian Collado and gabby smith and we have father brent Mayer, pastor of saint agnes in baton rouge in studio with us this morning hey good morning, good morning. how we doing welcome welcome thank you you want to give us a traffic report while you're here yeah. or is it uh you know <laughs> coming coming from the bridge yeah. uh coming east eastbound uh I-12, know, not, right? yeah 12 12 eastbound not too bad okay uh, a little a little slowdown between the the bridge and, and college clears up after college. You should be right on your way. There we go. Man. That traffic report brought to you by St. Agnes Church in downtown Baton Rouge. <laughs> We're here to talk about 40 hours of demo, uh, a devotion at St. Agnes Catholic Church. And, and this is not something really new. It's something that you guys are reviving, right? Correct, yeah. Okay, talk about it. Yeah, well, of course, you know, the, the bishop's the bishop's eucharistic revival you know this uh, desire for for our country to to be renewed in, in eucharistic belief and faith yeah and and just trying to trying to do that any way that we Excuse possibly me. can and 
it's um, yeah, it's not a new devotion. It's something that's um, you know over five hundred years old. Okay, but it's but it's part of part of the the church's long history of of Eucharistic devotion in a particular way. Okay, the and forty so, hours is a is five hundred. Really? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how does that work? Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I mean, the 40-hour specifically is just uh, exposition of the Blessed Sacrament for 40 consecutive hours at a, wow. at a particular church. Okay. And um, historically, it was, it was in the, in the uh, 16th century that there began to be, as, the, as Eucharistic devotion was continuing to increase in the life of the church, mm-hmm. and people having more and more recourse to, to the Blessed Sacrament uh, in times of need, mm-hmm. It was, you know, when when there were, um, of course, the 16, 16th century was, you know, the the, the Reformation and right. kind of Reformation and, and lots of confusion in the church yeah. and lots of lots of need in the church. Yeah, uh, many people renouncing the Eucharist. Okay, um, and so you know, with that, but also with with famines, with plagues, with with you know, wars mm-hmm. and natural disasters of all sort. These communities in various places, it wasn't a particular place uh, necessarily, um, but in various places they started getting together and praying before the Blessed Sacrament for extended periods of time. Wow. And so I th- it's a good thing it's coming back because everything yeah. you just described in the 1600s is starting to sound familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. it does, huh? <laughs> My yeah. Uh, will there still be masses as regularly scheduled on these two days? Correct. We'll still have masses. Uh, so we're going to kick it off on Thursday evening at 5 o'clock with Vespers or evening prayer. Okay. And then we'll have night prayer. We'll kind of have the, the, the prayers of the day kind of spaced throughout in various devotions and things. But we'll have uh, on Friday mornings the feast of Saint Michael uh, and the Archangels, and Ooh, so that's good timing. We'll have um, we'll repose the Blessed Sacrament for a short period to celebrate the Holy Mass, uh, but then we'll expose Blessed Sacrament after and and continue through the course of the day. And in the evening time, uh, we have a, a Latin Mass at five thirty in the evening on Friday for Saint Michael as well. And that one is is uh, an interesting one because it's not something I've ever celebrated before. It's it's known as the the Missa Corum Santissimo, oh. the Mass before the Blessed Sacrament. Really? Um, okay. And so in the in the traditional rite, there was actually particular rubrics or rules on on how to celebrate Mass during the forty hours when the Blessed Sacrament's exposed. Mm-hmm. And so it'll be my first time celebrating. Mass where our Lord's in the monstrance yeah. above the tabernacle, wow. but I'm celebrating Mass uh, below, uh-huh. uh, essentially. So and it so, will still be exposed. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So it'll be, um, it'll be the closest I've I've come to to celebrating what I was able to do in in, uh, in Lanciano, Italy, where one of the Eucharistic miracles happened, oh, as wow. I was in a in the miracle chapel, um, kind of behind the behind the altar, uh-huh. and at that at that particular uh, church, they have a window in the in the chapel where you can look in and see the the miraculous host and it's in the monstrance above the altar in the church but in the back altar um it's it's right there in front of you oh my and goodness. so i was able to offer mass in front of that so it's it's like wow. for me it'll be that's good it'll be making that happen again <laughs> wow. which is an incredible thing and so so we'll have that and then um on saturday morning saturday morning is the is the feast of the dedication of saint joseph cathedral it's a diocesan feast mm-hmm. and so we're going to have uh eight o'clock mass on saturday morning to wrap up and and trust all of this to to Saint Joseph's care, and and uh, pray that God's blessings and the fruits of that time of prayer will come down on our our parish and our diocese. Will there be times for uh, reconciliation also? Many of them. I'm basically going to be staying in the church uh, the majority of Friday. Wow. Okay. Um, so on on Thursday we have uh, evening prayer, like you said, at five o'clock, right. and and um, night prayer compliment at nine o'clock, and I'll be here in confessions between those two times. 
And then most of, like I said, most of Friday, um, basically if you show up, there's a good shot uh, that you'll catch me in the confessional with the light on. And um, we have, uh, if, you, if you go to our, our website, um, stagnesbr.com, mm-hmm. you, can, you can check specific times and, and see the schedule of, schedule of prayers and things, devotions throughout the day. But, um, but yeah, lots of confession availability. That's wonderful. Just, wow. Yeah. So, so the sacrament, everything will be, it will be exposed. It will be on the altar throughout mm-hmm. these entire, throughout Correct. the entire time. Yeah, day and night. And we have, uh, even in the nighttime hours, you know, we've got, uh, we've got people committed to the, to the early hours in the morning and mm-hmm. late hours of the night. And we've got some, um, wow. some men who are guarding the door to make sure that, oh, that's the, good. that, you know, nothing goes wrong. We don't expect anything. And, right. and we've never had any problems with the past in, in, uh, mm-hmm. in these regards, but better safe than sorry in a, yeah. in a crazy world today. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. But, um, who are but, yeah, the deacons no. with you these days? We got uh, Deacon Tommy Trailer is mm-hmm. uh, is our deacon, yeah, and he's yeah. uh, he's a retired deacon, so he's not formally formally assigned to us. But uh, but his heart is is definitely there with us, and <laughs> and uh, so is the rest of his the rest of himself, not just his heart. Uh, so he's he's very generous, and and uh, he's there pretty much every Sunday, mm-hmm. and, yeah, mm-hmm. and right. assisting at the masses and. Um, and uh, I know Deacon Billy Messenger comes out, and he's on his way to to his apostolate up in Angola a lot of times during the week, and so he'll be assisting oh, yeah. at morning masses here and there. So, so somebody somebody listening saying, "I want to see what this is all about," and they've never been mm-hmm. to adoration before. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about that? What can they expect? What can they do? And you know, like I said, this is foreign to them. So, how mm-hmm. do they ease into this and? So, so they're not afraid to go. Yeah, right. Yeah, I actually think this is one of the best ways to for a person who's kind of curious about mm-hmm. about the Catholic faith to to kind of get a get a, a little foot in the water, so to speak, yes. to, to test uh, test the temperature. But also for those who have perhaps been away from the church for a while, mm-hmm. or you know, those are, again who you know not, not Catholic or, or um, not very catechized and and. Um, you know, kind of knowledgeable about the faith, but it's, yeah, it's really just an opportunity just to to sit with Jesus, yeah, um, because he's he's mm-hmm. right there in front of us on the altar, and and you know he's there, he's he's face to face, right, and and though he doesn't respond like like we do in you know you see in the chosen and right, you know, it's not that same type of thing, but <laughs> right. but he's there and and he's he's with us. And as the as numerous saints have said, whenever we go out in the sun, we don't have to try to get sunburned. Right, it just happens it's by being there. It's going to happen. That's right. And so when you're going to go get in the something. presence of the Lord. Yeah, yeah. something's yeah. going to happen. I, I do love that, and I think it was Mother Teresa talking about that. That uh, people said, "What do you do? What do you say?" She said, "Sometimes I look at him, and he just looks at me." Mm-hmm. And and you know, there's that exchange. You Absolutely. know, and yeah. sometimes people do get. An inward message, mm-hmm. right? I mean, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I can I can tell you my first one, my first inward message. It was my first experience going. Experience says because I must have gone like eight times because I knew this was something special. I mm-hmm. knew something had to be going on. But I've got the Psalms out. I am going to town, just saying, you know, um, <laughs> God come to my assistance, Lord make haste out me, and I'm here for devotion. Just going on and on, and I. I did get a message on about the fourth day that said, Dave, shut up. 
you know, just just be quiet. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to just 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 let's just visit. You know, mm-hmm. let's just. It was the most amazing thing, and I will tell you this: after that, the, the feeling that came over me when that happened was one of warmth and one of peace. Mm-hmm. But I had to be yes. told to shut up first because I was doing all the one-sided conversation. For right? Sure. It's an easy so, temptation. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes it's just mm-hmm. great to just sit there in peace. Mm-hmm. So okay, yes. well, let's talk about this. Forty hours of devotion at St. Agnes Catholic Church. This is starting 5 p.m. Thursday, uh, yeah. uh, September the 28th until 9 a.m. Saturday, September 30th. Mm-hmm. So we want folks to come to St. Agnes Church uh, in downtown Baton Rouge. What's mm-hmm. the address? Do you have? 749 East Boulevard. Okay. We're uh, a block off of government right by the uh, the entrance ramp. Okay, right so, by the entrance ramp. So Easy escape. Good. Well, great. thanks for joining us. <laughs> I hope so you have happens. a full church. Amen. Uh, that'd be great. Yeah. Thank you, Father. Thank oh, you. real quick, can you give us like a five-second blessing? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you. All right. Thank you. before the top of the hour on this Tuesday morning. You're listening to Wake Up. You're also watching us on Catholic Life TV. We thank you for both. And we thank Mary Beth Bracey to be with us this morning. She is a media spokesperson for Sophia Institute Press, and she's here to talk about an interesting book entitled, I Would Like to Travel the World. That's not me personally. We're talking about St. <laughs> Therese of Lisieux. And she, the miracle worker the doctor and missionary. And I am as curious about some of these as everyone else. So good morning, Mary Beth, and thank you for being with us on Wake Up. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So share with us a little bit first the background. Even though a lot of us have heard of St. Therese, there are probably some listening going like, who is this young lady and why is she a saint? So share with us a little bit of, of her background before we jump into the book. So St. Therese was born in 1873 and died in 1897. It's actually the 150th anniversary of her birthday this year. Wow. Um, yes. Was, Happy day. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And is she, it, was, she was, and she died just before the 19th century, uh, or the 1900s, I should say. And uh, uh, because she died in 1897, uh, oh, okay. as it was okay. mentioned. Gotcha. And at the age of 24. So how did she make such an impact at, at such a, a, a young age and, and only a few years on this earth? So St. Therese did enter the Carmel when she was only a teenager, and she only lived there for nine years. But through her little way of sacrifice and prayer, she was able to reach people all over the world. Additionally, she wrote a very famous work, her autobiography, called Story of a Soul. She also wrote poetry, Mm -hmm. plays, and numerous letters. She also... Um, really came up with the doctrine of spiritual childhood, which has been called by popes and famous theologians the essence of the gospel and a spiritual genius and basically the way that we can kind of take a shortcut to heaven. Wow. And knowing this and all the writings and books that have written about uh, St. Therese, what makes this one 
different? Is it because uh, the author focuses on the fact that she became a doctor of the church, only the, the third woman in, in church history to receive that title? Actually, there are several things that I think are unique, and I, I have a whole bookshelf of books on St. Therese, so I'm kind of a, a tough critic. But the first <laughs> third of this book actually reads like a novel. It contains 17 testimonies of people who were healed from the 1990s into the 2000s. Oh, and wow, there are people wow. from doctors to little children, um, middle-aged people who maybe were struggling with addictions. Some people were healed of cancer or other life-threatening illnesses. And then in the second part of the book, it, it talks about how she is a doctor of the church and how that's revolutionary, which I thought was really fascinating because even though I had some familiarity with it, I didn't realize, as you said, that she's only the fourth woman doctor or that, mm. she, um, mm. oh. that she's been compared to St. Thomas Aquinas. Hmm. And then in the third part of the book, it talks about her relic tour. So that's fascinating because at the time this was written, she had already traveled to 27 different countries with her relics. So she was able to fulfill her mission, which was to travel all five continents simultaneously and even to the Earth's remote, <laughs> remotest aisles to proclaim the gospel. So, so wow. what keeps her her story alive? In other words, her her inspiration. What what inspires people, especially from a missionary standpoint? You you mentioned she goes all around the world with her. The people do with her relics, but but what's inspiring others to to, to follow suit? I think that Saint Therese is someone who's approachable. Um, oftentimes just when people see her picture, even though they may have been hardened to anything about God beforehand, their hearts tend to soften and they become intrigued and want to know more about her. And then that kind of opens the door also to have a spiritual conversation. So some examples of that are definitely recorded in the book as well. And because she's so approachable and she's been able to go into some of the darkest places in the world. So it mentions here, for instance, how she not only visited places like churches, but she also went to places like prisons, or she, they even brought her relics to Dachau concentration camp. Oh, wow. So people wow. are healed of miracles, not only of body, but also of mind and spirit. Now, I've also read and, and have heard that those who uh, asked St. Therese to, to intercede for her for a healing, that uh, you know your prayers have been answered when you receive a rose. Does, does the book touch on that, or can you share some, some insight on, on why she's known as the little flower? Yes. So the author of the book, Bishop Guy Goucher, who was actually the bishop of St. Therese's hometown, talks about the shower of roses, and that really reflects, as you said, the miracles that are won through St. Therese's intercession. And it does mention how oftentimes people would receive a rose, for instance, when St. Therese interceded for them. I've had some priest friends who sometimes receive roses in different ways. Maybe they receive something in the mail, and there's a postage stamp of a rose, rose or something ah. simple like that. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's not always you know, necessarily a flower that you receive tangibly, but it could be a variety of different ways as well. Interesting. So what do you find uh, the most unique thing about St. Therese, knowing you, you seem to have studied her immensely? Uh, I read she was pretty stubborn as a young person. I did. I read that, too. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, I think that is one of the most interesting things because a lot of people look at pictures of St. Therese and think, <laughs> oh, she's too saccharine for me or she's too sentimental. Right. But when you read about her, I think I realize how much we can relate to her today. Her mother died of breast cancer when she was only four. And then shortly after she entered the convent, her father developed dementia. St. Therese herself suffered from tuberculosis before she died. So regardless of what our struggles might be, St. Therese is very relatable. She also really struggled with a trial of faith. So sometimes when we might ask questions, um, when we might have different doubts, she's also someone who can intercede for us. Yeah. It seemed like her big struggle, too, from what I've read about her is uh, scrupulosity, where she was always wanting, uh, beating herself up for, for sin or, or she wasn't pure enough. When she was younger, that was definitely the case up until, I I want to say, when she was about 13. And then she had this really transformative experience at Christmas time. And then from there on, she really encountered God's mercy, which was really a testament to the world, because at that time, the Church was coming out of a time of Jansenism. So people were really under the idea that God was severe and that they couldn't do anything right, and they didn't trust in His mercy. Mm -hmm. And actually, it's because of St. Therese that the age that children could receive First Holy Communion was lowered because Pope Pius X was so inspired by her spirituality that he decided to do that. Wow. Well, Mary Beth Bracey, thank you so much for being with us. The book on St. Therese is entitled, I Would Like to Travel the World, Therese of Lisieux, Miracle Worker, Doctor, and Missionary. It sounds like an all-encompassing book, finally, on her and her life story. Yeah. Uh, thank you for being with us, and you can get it at sophiainstitute.com, correct, the book? Yes, that is correct. All right. Thank you for being with us. You have a wonderful day, and thanks for sharing the story of St. Therese with us. You too. God bless. God bless. All right. We, we've had some incredible authors this week. Yes. We have, and more to come. Or last week, too. Yeah, yeah that's right. All right, we'll wrap up with a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. O glorious martyrs of Christ, saints Comet, Cosmos, and Damien, you gave your lives for the love of God, benefiting your fellow man and crowning your martyrdom with an open and loyal profession of your faith. O great protectors, St. Cosmos and Damien, assist us with your love and free us from all evils. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you back here tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central Time. Have a wonderful Tuesday. God bless. Wake Up is a production of Catholic Community Media.